Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast presented by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Glad to have you along with us on this Tuesday. Hope everybody is doing well, drying out from a wet weekend, but I want to thank our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control for their continued coverage and their continued support of the VolQuest.com podcast. And don't forget, they've got that great promotion going on right now. If you schedule the spring heating and air tune-up, uh, between now and the spring game, you're going to be entered into a drawing to win two season passes. That's two tickets to all home, all eight Tennessee home football games. Refer a friend. You're going to increase your chances to win. The drawing is going to be held on April the 26th. You can call 865-299-2290 or go to bluewaterclimatecontrol.com to schedule your appointment today. Remember, Blue Water Climate Control can handle all of your needs from cleaning out your ductwork. we got all this pollen and all this allergy stuff going on. You need a good ductwork clean out. They can take care of that. you got a repair that needs to take place before it gets hot for your air condition. We're in that time where your heat one day, air conditioning the next. They can take care of all of your needs at Blue Water Climate Control. With Austin Price and Brent Hubbs going to talk a little football, going to talk a little recruiting in this edition of the podcast. And um, Austin, let, let's a quote week into spring football, wouldn't call it a week, and they practice twice, getting ready to put on pads. We talked about this a little bit in the two-minute drill. Um, I wrote about it over the weekend as well with, with what Coach Golish was saying. Um, what do you make of Tennessee's decision to – kind of go slow with the, the introduction and the installation and coach Golish mentioning on a couple of times how important it is for this team to finish a practice with confidence and to build confidence early in spring practice. I think more than anything, Brent, they're just trying to turn over a new leaf. I know that's a fall term, not spring, but you know, for the most part, you know, they're, they're trying to instill confidence, build positivity You've seen that in, in everything they've done to this point, whether it be, um, you know, the videos, you know, or the, the team building exercises, whether it be dodgeball or any of that other stuff. You know, I'm not surprised. I mean, this is a program that, you know, had a bunch of kids that were beat down, that, 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 that didn't have a lot of confidence. And so right now this, this group's come in and they're trying to instill confidence and uh, see if something ignites, something sparks. And so that's just, you know, kind of where I think they are. I, you know, I don't think they're going to be too tough on them because I think, you know, the, this program has seen so much change um, that, you know, they, they know the kids are going to be kind of, you know, swimming, so to speak, early on. And so, you know, again, I, I think there's a, a nice uh, balance, to so to speak, between, you know, being intense, being uh, having purpose, and then also – being positive and keeping the kids feeling like, you know, hey, we're, we're doing positive things. Neither one of us are psychologists and not going to profess to be one. Um, wh- where is that balance, you think, though, in the notion that, you know, kids are resilient. You hear that from coaches all the time. They're resilient. They can handle whatever versus, boy, they got a lot of scars. They got, they got a lot of wounds. They got a lot of healing that needs to take place. Um any, I mean, wh- where do you find that balance if you're Josh Heupel? How do you find that balance if you're Josh Heupel? Well, I think that the scars come, you know, from staff to staff. Like, you know, like I think if Jeremy Pruitt and them were still here, the kids that had scars would, would you know, it'd be tougher to get past the scars. Whereas you get a new coaching staff, and I think it's a little easier to be resilient and to have kind of a new lease on life, so to speak. I mean – the older you get, the harder it is to do things. You know, I mean, I'm 
37, going to be 38 come Sunday. And, you know, uh, I watch my kids get on these hoverboards and then they get me on this hoverboard and I'm scared to death. And they just go up and down the the hill at my house. Like, like it's, you know, nothing like, I mean, and I'd get on there and I'd, you know, break a leg, break a neck and everything else. I mean, I think that, you know, it, it is easier when you're younger to try to be, you know, to, to be more fearless. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, for these kids, it, it's a balancing act for Josh Heupel and company, but more than anything, I think that just kind of feeling like I've got a shot, you know, I'm not behind the eight ball. I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm on level playing field. I think that goes a long way. Um, just, just to having confidence when you're 18 or, or even if you're a fifth year senior and you're 23. Not surprising. We, we, we heard, you know, the, the coaches talk about how much they like the effort this team has given through two practices. I think we both agree it's easy to be dialed in and intense your first two practices, be really energetic, be really fired up. Not surprising that some players have tweeted out that it's a different energy, different vibe on the practice field. All of that is normal. Um, then you had Coach Golish on Saturday um, with a laundry list of compliments to, to a bunch of individuals when, when he talked about things. What do you put stock in any of that? Or is all of that, I guess maybe I'm scarred, is all that to me a little bit of, okay, yeah, all right, well, we've seen all this. All right, I, I'm, not, I'm not going down that road. I'm not getting into all that till you see something. Is, is, that, is that the jadedness in me, Austin, that, that goes, eh, I'm not, how, I'm, not, I'm not getting caught up in, in too much real compliments of anything at this point in time? Well, I, I, it's a little bit of both. I mean, you know, I, I get both sides. Um, you know, I, I think for, you know, for the compliments, I mean, like we're coming off a coaching staff, you know, and particularly a head coach, you know, he just didn't he, – he never wanted to single anybody out. You He's getting his uh, first spring. He never mentioned the kid individually his first spring. Don't, don't you remember when somebody asked him about Ty Chandler and he's like, I mean, we got guys in that room. We got bodies in there. Whatever he said, it's basically like they got warm bodies in there. But the, the gist of what he was saying, and you know, I mean, like now we got Golish out there, and he's singling out Jabari Small. He's singling out the offensive line: Cooper Mays, Cade Mays, Javante Spragans. Um, you know, I, I think that's a good thing, though. Like again, like I think that that can then turn. Like if you're if you're not Jabari Small, and you're a running back, I mean, like. Does not, not not fire you up and motivate you? It should. Um, you know, I, here's the thing about Tennessee. So many people say this 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 team doesn't have talent. I disagree with that. I think this team has potential, and 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 that that talent that talent has potential, but it's got to be brought out. Like somebody's, it's not tapped. Somebody's got to tap into it and 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 bring out that potential talent. Because I do think that there's some some players on this team that, you know, if you can get the best out of them, they're going to be pretty good. The question is, is can anybody get the best out of them? You know, like some of these defensive linemen, what what can what can Rodney Garner do with some of these defensive linemen? Like, you know, Darrell Middleton shows flashes. You know, Matthew Butler's been solid, not great. Latrell Bumpus, the same. Can he get them to take it up an extra notch? You know, can Cody Burns get – some of these, you know, wide receivers to fulfill their potential. You know, what, what's Jerry Mack got with some of these running backs? At the, ultimately, it doesn't really matter about any of those because if the quarterback plays what it was, Tennessee will be in the same shape. Can, can Halsley and Heupel 
find somebody to run their offense the way they want to run it. I mean, to me, it all goes back to potential. This team could potentially be not bad. You referenced a minute ago when you are reading the Blue Water Reader. They have eight home games. They only go on the road four times. So the schedule, again, sets up decent for them. So as you slow build towards August and September, this team's got to find a way to tap into the potential that they have. So let me go back to the, the, the goalish compliments a little bit. Do you think that is – do you think that's a little bit of some natural reaction to, hey, th- these guys aren't that bad? Like, like I'm not sure what we have. I'm not sure – you know, it's our – and he mentioned this a couple of times, it's our job to put them in the right place. But is there some sort of natural reaction to, you know what, athletically – there's some, there's some things to work with here. And, and and maybe they wondered a little bit of that when they watched game tape last year of going, where was Jabari Small? Why didn't he get any more carries? You know, and, and what about D Beckwith? And what do we do with this guy? But you put them out there and they run around, they're pretty good looking athletes. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you go and look at, you know, this, this team. There's several players on this team that either have struggled to find a permanent home or – have, you know, not played the current position they're at very long. The receivers, Jimmy Halliday or Jimmy Holiday, Jimmy Callaway, haven't played receiver all that long. D Beckwith bounced around multiple different spots last year. Aaron Beasley has bounced around multiple different spots in his career. Um, you know, a guy like Lenith Whitehead, you know, has is, is got all kinds of potential, but to me, he could be buried on the depth chart at running back. So I think that for this staff, I think they wondered like, how did they take so many guys that really didn't have a home when they got here? Like they weren't, they took them, but they hadn't really played the position they wanted to play them at until they got to Tennessee. Um, and, and then I think maybe when they got out on the practice field, they saw them running around. They said, okay, maybe we can work with this. Maybe we can, maybe this is a piece of clay and we can mold it, you know, into what we need. So, I mean, only time will tell, but I mean, I, I think the thing about coach Gullish is he's obviously trying to be uber positive and then he also, you know, is one that like <laughs> when he gets revved up, you know, he, I, when, when he was talking the other day, I almost wanted to say, you know, we, we probably go get about two questions in. I mean, he gets revved up and he is long winded. Right. And he goes and he goes and he goes. And, um, you know, I remember interviewing Benny Hammonds uh, doing our robbery Thursday stuff years ago, the longtime head coach at GP. And I said, hey, I normally say long answers are good, short answers are bad. But in your case, short answers are good, Benny, because Benny was long-winded. I asked him two questions. The interview went seven minutes, and that was the short answers. So, you know, I, I think same thing here. Like, I think he just kind of gets revved up, and, and you know, he's tried to put on a certain kind of stance about the positivity and, and turn over the new leaf, so to speak. So I think that's part of it. I will say this, of all the things positive, and there was plenty of it, for me, the biggest takeaway was some praise for Darnell Wright. They haven't put on pads. He hasn't been extended physically to see what kind of conditioning he is when they start hitting people. But for him to generate a little bit of early praise, I I do think is significant because I think we both agree he's as important as anybody on that offensive line, maybe the most important of anybody on that offensive line, this spring he has to have a great spring i agree you don't have any tackles 
I mean, in theory. I mean, like Darnell's played tackle, but he ain't played tackle on a high level. You don't have any consistency at tackle. That's, that's the best way to put it. So if you can get consistency out of Darnell, all of a sudden there's one. Now let's see if we can patchwork the other one. Because I think they're pretty good in the middle. I mean, like, you know, Cooper, not a ton of experience, but I think will be fine at center. And then the guards, I think there's depth there. There's talent there. Whether it be Cade, Spragans, Jerome Carvin, you know, I mean, you know, the, the, there's some guys there that have played and and you can feel good about it. So, like, to me, it, the, the tackles and particularly Darnell is is 100% right that, that, you know, that he could be as big a key on the offensive front as anybody. Now, while we kind of not joke, but, but talked about, you know, Coach Golish and all of his praise for all the individuals. He, he didn't make any real references to Malachi Weidman. And then also at the quarterback position, he, he talked about Brian Maurer's skill set and ability, but made it very clear a narrative we have been talking about for a year, something we talked about going into spring practice, about how he has got to harness himself and get things under control. It sounded like, in Coach Goldish's compliments, that clearly Bailey and, and Hooker were were better out of the gate than 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 what Brian Maurer has been from the standpoint of being able to execute the offense. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing is like for, the last staff will tell you, you know, Brian Maurer flashed as much as anybody in practice. I mean, like we would make a play and go, whoa. But then like five straight plays would have the running back lined up wrong or the tight end motion wrong or whatever so i mean like it is about finding consistency for him and i mean like i think that you know it, for brian mauer you better understand that like just because a new staff walked in the door doesn't mean you can keep the same old habits because they're going to pick up on the same old habits just like the last staff did and you'll find yourself you know running down and high-fiving everybody on the ball walk and then once the game starts holding the clipboard how, how bad is it for caden salter how, how far behind is he falling right now well, obviously, he's falling behind. I, again, I said this on the board, and I'm in it. I mean, like, coming into spring, he was on level playing field with everybody else outside of experience. Like, Hendon Hooker's obviously got more experience. Harrison Bailey's got a little bit more experience. Brian Maurer has a, a touch more experience. Um, you know, uh, outside of that, for as far as learning the offense and, and all that type of stuff, he was going to be on the same level playing field at ground zero as the rest. But now – he might as well be back at home finishing up high school because he, he's not around the program. He's not around the team. He's, you know, obviously not practicing. So he might as well be back there and, and going through, you know, his senior year getting ready to go to prom because that's basically where he's at at this point, you know, where he worked out at D1 Knoxville, uh, you know, late last week, you know, that it's not ideal. So, I mean, you know, again, his deficiencies – or the fact that, one, he's young. He's, I mean, he's only 17. He's not even 18 years old yet. Two, he is on the small side, but he can throw it. I mean, he can throw it, you know. But, again, you're going to have to overcome some things like your size and the fact you're so young and all that out of the gate. Now he's got to overcome the fact that, you know, you play the marquee position, the leadership position, and you didn't exactly make a leadership-type decision when you did what you did. Yep, and certainly he's missing out on golden opportunities and, and reps there. Um, Tennessee going to the practice field later today. Weather looks better. 
Tennessee's going to put on some pads this week. <laughs> Should be there. Should be there. We hope to be there to see things. With that in mind, Austin, um, what are you anxious to see this week and getting to watch practice? Um, and and, and what's, the biggest, what's the biggest thing for, for Josh Hype and his staff to accomplish this week? Well, for me, I just want to be there, Hubs. I mean, we haven't been there in, in over a year. The last practice we watched was, at, you know, down Jacksonville. You know, we didn't even make it to the practice last year. It got canceled as we were on campus getting ready to go in. So, for me, I am looking forward to – actually, no, we did get to shoot one practice last spring. That's right. I mean, that is right. We got to do one practice last spring. Sorry. Um, uh, but you know, as for me, uh, as for Co- Co- Coach Heupel, I mean, I think you just want to continue to see guys flash, see see some of these younger players, you know, take a step in the right direction. Hopefully, you see decent quarterback play. Um, that's always going to be the theme as long as Tennessee doesn't have a consistent locked in, solidified starter. Um, and then you you want to see, you know, just growth across all fronts. You know, this isn't you know this isn't just an offensive line thing or a defensive line thing. This program needs growth in all areas. Probably the biggest area, though, is linebacker. I mean, I, that, to me, that's the, the worst position on the team, point blank. When you go out to the practice field, where's the first place you're going to go? Who do you want to see first? Quarterbacks. I mean, I think that's kind of – Just natural. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, but honestly, if it wasn't that, I think it would probably be linebacker. Who – who you know, just to look at you – know, who, who do they got to work with? I mean – you know, what kind of bodies do they have there and, and what do they have to work with? So we'll, we'll see. It gets um, it gets much more real football this week. We'll continue to hear from players, assistant coaches, Josh Heupel as well. Tennessee is slated to go Tuesday, Thursday, Friday this week on the practice field. And again, weather permitting, uh, we will get the opportunity to watch part of those practices and uh, bring you uh, notes and observations and highlights and uh, all those things as well throughout the week with with coverage of that. Let's talk a little recruiting because this ties into spring practice. Tennessee had a kind of a private viewing party, if you will. Uh, This is one of the things that all schools around the country are trying to find ways to be creative and innovative. And Tennessee is obviously trying to sell new to all of the recruits out there. Uh, So Tennessee had a little small private viewing party for some recruits over the weekend to let them watch practice. What do you like about that idea, Austin? Well, I mean, I love the idea. I mean, listen, you're, you're under a time crunch, you know, some of these kids want to make a decision sooner rather than later. So in the next, you know, and, you know, and basically in the next two months, you can't go to them and they can't come to you. So how do you be different? You take practice to them and, and in a way to where they can watch practice with multi cameras, um, you know, try to, you know, kind of get a, you know, almost a behind the scenes look, all access pass. Tennessee was six kids in on this initial one. Uh, Ron Brubaker, Carter Smith, Colin Wright, Caden Pope, Vincent Sneed, and Blake Gunter. Um, you know, Caden Pope, the only in state kid. Now, I don't read into that as anything outside the fact that Caden Pope is coming on an island. Like he's not affiliated with the NPA. He's not affiliated with Tennessee Select. So, like, he's the perfect kid to bring in if you're trying to bring in just a, a one guy. Because, listen, if you bring in the Wade, you also could bring in Fisher Anderson or, you know, uh, you know Darko Perkins. If you bring in Dallin Hayden, you got to bring in Jordan James or Cam Miller. 
So like, if you're going to try to bring in some of these out of state kids, you weren't going to be able to bring in um, certain groups of in state kids just because. I mean, like, listen, if you if you bring a if you bring a Dallin Hayden in, but you don't bring Jordan James in, you're going to offend Jordan James because Jordan's going to know he wasn't invited before Dallin was. If you bring, you know, the Wades in before Fisher Anderson, and you don't think kids get like bothered by that stuff, but it is a thing. And so, like, you know, you're better off to bring them all in as their collective group. Not surprising at all, um, you know, and Tennessee will go, you know, with, with more and more of these over the course of spring practice because, you know, they, they want to do it in small moderation, Brent, because, you know, you don't want 100 kids sitting on that thing. You can make it much more personalized if you know who's on there and it's six or seven kids and, you know, if, if you know, Brew Baker's on there like he was the other day, they go to you know, showing Glenn Ellerby and there you go, you know, and it's, it's more kind of personalized for Ryan Brubaker. You know, if there's a hundred kids on there, you can't personalize that at all. Yeah, absolutely. That, I wonder if they feel like they've got some momentum with Brubaker or if that's just an all in effort to try to stay in it. I mean, Penn state's obviously going to be a huge factor there, but, but it does seem like Tennessee has been pretty, pretty active and he's been pretty active talking about Tennessee as well. So feels like there's a bit of a connection there. I don't know if it's going to be enough, Austin, but it, it does feel like Tennessee's at least got some momentum there with him in terms of, uh, of gathering it or garnering his attention. Well, you know, I think with the current state of recruiting and you're doing so much online, well, so much, you know, Zooms and, and virtual type stuff, like I don't think – I mean, you're putting time in, but you're not putting – it's a different kind of time. It's not the same as if you brought him to campus – you know, for two or three visits, like you can couple unofficially, come officially, um, you know, those type of things. So, you know, I, I think that it's smart to, to kind of put that kind of time in, in this realm. Um, you know, Tennessee and South Carolina seem like they're the two realistic options. If he doesn't go to Penn state, his dad played at Penn state, everybody up North thinks that he'll follow in his dad's footsteps. Now he tries to, to put on a front that, you know, that's not necessarily the case. Now, Maybe the kid's naive to the fact that, you know, this groundswell of pressure is going to come from family and in-state people to stay in-state. Um, or, or maybe he just, you know, doesn't want – and this very well could be it. And it just doesn't want everybody to pick Penn State and then make his p- commitment, uh, you know, basically meaningless when he, when, he, when he pulls the trigger. Yeah, or maybe he just doesn't want to follow in his dad's footsteps. Maybe he wants could to be that too. And there, there's been certainly there's been more than one of those in the world who is who have not followed in their in their dad's steps. So uh, certainly he's giving more than a cut, uh, you know, a friendly return phone call to Tennessee, but because he, he's talked a lot about Tennessee. Uh, you had this in the war room last week. A lot of names. Tennessee seemingly Austin been very active. I don't want to say caught up but it seems like they're getting kind of caught up and getting their feet under them a little bit in that recruiting office, which was basically starting over from ground zero when they walked in the building, um, you know, a month and a half ago, nearly two months ago now. Is that an accurate statement? Do you feel like Tennessee's kind of getting, getting their feet under them in that room and, and getting established there? They are. I, I agree. I mean, so many people ask, like, what, which coach had it the worst? Which coach had it the worst? I'll tell you who had it the worst. It was Josh Heupel. 
And it wasn't because necessarily the, the cupboard was left bare by Jeremy Pruitt with the program. But like when you factor in that, like there was no recruiting staff here at all. So like when they came in, like, like trying to get into like the system to be able to look at like what the previous staff had done as far as like, you know, who, who they had offered, who they hadn't offered, who they were looking at, all that type of stuff was, was, was about near impossible. So, like, you know, they come in the door and they're kind of really having to, like, you know, start from total ground zero. Like, I mean, just like, you know, when Jeremy took over, Bob Welton was in the building for, you know, almost two months, you know, before he went to Nebraska for a week before he went to Alabama. That's not the case with with this. You know, the, the previous recruiting staff was fired and, and they were moved on. So, I mean, like <laughs> – they come in and they've hired a bunch of quality people in that, in that recruiting office. A lot of people, you know, Trey Johnson comes from USC before that he ran his own shop at Liberty. Brandon Lawson has run his own shop at MTSU, Eastern Kentucky, UCF for, and before that he worked for under Altizer um, here at Tennessee. Um, and, and then of course, you know, Scott's back and, you know, of course Scott's duties are, you know, he's kind of being pulled in several different directions, doing all kinds of different things. But, I mean, like, just having somebody with his knowledge of how to do things, I mean, like, the experience level they have, not to mention, you know, several other players like a Jake – or, you know, like, like Jake Bresky comes over from Missouri. He's got experience. Um, there's just so much more experience in the recruiting office on the whole. I mean, like, the last staff had Drew Hughes and Danny Stiff and Danny Stiff and JT Hill. But, besides, you know, that was two people – and a bunch of kids, this staff, I mean, like they're like third, fourth and fifth person has legit SEC or, 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 you know, division one experience to me, that's huge. And, and the reason why they've been able to catch up and kind of get their footing up on underneath. Yeah. Certainly seeing Tennessee involved with a lot more names. Um, doesn't mean necessarily anybody's close to making a decision, but it, we're starting to see Tennessee mentioned with a lot more kids, both in 22s and, and 23s as well. Of course, the challenge now is what kind of, um, evaluations can you get going? Can you find the spring with, with no access out there? Going to make for June to be fascinating, Austin. I think we both believe right now this thing is going to open back up in June. I think that that's not only going to mean camps, but I think that's going to mean 15 or 20 official visits in the month of June. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think you're going to see schools bringing in 15, 20 official visitors in the month of June because I think there's going to be that rush to try to get these kids on campus because kids are ready to make a decision and they haven't been anywhere in over a year. I think the oh. challenge for head coaches is going to, and you may disagree, but I think the challenge is going to be how many is it realistic that we can bring in? How many visits do we want to use up in the month of June versus wait and try to have some visits in the fall? Because well, everybody's going to want to take a visit. Everybody's going to want to take a visit. And, and that's why I think you've got to let them. Because if you don't, you run the risk of losing them. And, and, and it's much like, you know, I was telling my mother-in-law, you know, we we're talking about like summer vacations. And I was like, you know, it, it, everybody's going to be everywhere this summer. I mean, last summer, like people did stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. People went to the beach and stuff, went to the national parks. But like on the whole, there were people that were just like shut down. Like they were in their home. They didn't leave. This year, people are going to be out and about. That vaccine's out in full force. And, and, and so, like, they're going to go. And that's the same way that it's going to be with, with if things open up June 1st, is people are going to be on campus every day. 
I mean, it's going to be a, like people rolling in here unofficially. And if they have camps, they're going to roll in here for camps. I mean, they, every day is going to be a um, – it's going to be a free-for-all in a lot of ways because there's so much of these kids that just – they've been cooped up. They've not been able to take visits. I mean, you could just name a handful of guys, whether it be Taven Jackson, Patrick Kudis, uh, you know, several others that, like, you know, just haven't been anywhere that want to go see schools, whether it's Tennessee or not, and they're going to go, go, go as soon as it opens because I don't think they're going to open it and keep it open until, until August. I think they'll just have the traditional dead period in July unless that changes. So you're going to have a short run here through the end of June. And when you have that short run, it is going to be action-packed for those 20-something days. Oh, it's going to be action-packed for sure. A lot of kids trying to get in a lot of visits, a lot of coaches begging kids to work out. How many kids are going to be willing to work out? How many of them are just going to want to take a visit? There's a whole lot of things to be dealt with in the month of June as coaches try to get an evaluation going and kids try to see places where they haven't been able to see things in, in over a year. So I think the month of June is going to be fascinating. Prior to that, um, Wade Twins – an April decision, you think? I mean, we're getting ready to hit April here uh, tomorrow. Is that is that still realistic in terms of the timetable? Yes, I do think. I think uh, uh, right after tax day. Okay, so you're, so you're somewhere in there, the middle of April, uh, a potential decision out of them. Tennessee, Kentucky, still feels like probably the top two schools for them, and, and then we'll see what else Tennessee can get done on on that front. Um, the Steed kid from down in Florida. To say his name right, Sneed. Sneed. I'm sorry. Um, t- Tennessee seems to have some some momentum there as well. I mean, what, what do you what do you make of that one? Uh, they're going to get Vincent Sneed. He's going to do something middle of May, like around the 19th, 20th, 21st. So, so you like where Tennessee? You know, I, yeah, I'd be shocked if they don't get Vincent Sneed. There you go. There's a couple of recruiting nuggets for you as uh, we get ready to wrap up the podcast here. And we'll see what happens on the recruiting front this spring. We'll certainly see what happens on the practice front, hopefully with our own eyes coming up later this afternoon as Tennessee <laughs> yeah. goes to the practice field uh, to start their second week of spring practice. Again, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday is the schedule. And, uh, of course, we'll have the mailbag podcast for you on Friday. We'll dive into some hoop stuff then. There's been Obviously, there's continue to be a lot of talk about the transfer portal and, and where things might be going there. So we'll dive into that into detail in the in the mailbag podcast for you on Friday as well. But we got plenty of recruiting coverage, plenty of football coverage, plenty of baseball coverage, following the hoop circuit as well. That's all at VolQuest.com. That's going to do it for this Tuesday edition of the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast for Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. <laughs>